Welcome to the e-commerce growth series. My name is Ronald Dodd, Chief Marketing Officer at Visitor. Here today with another episode where I talk to Mike Begg at Amazon Advisors, um, also AMZ Advisors. Mike started Amazon Advisors with a couple of his friends and have been a great partner of Visitor. So really excited to have him on the show today. Um, discussed a lot of things, uh, mainly about Amazon and what's new to Amazon and really focus on the relationship between Amazon, the sellers and the brands, which I feel is a really hot topic right now with so much going on with Amazon and developing their own products, et cetera. Um, spoke about 40 minutes, discussed a number of things, starting off with about how he started his agency with two of his friends and lives full-time in Guadalajara which I'm sure I got wrong <laughs> and has really built a content team out in Guadalajara, which I think was really, really impressive. Um, talked about what's new with Amazon, how things have really changed with COVID from them introducing more essential products and more touch about the relationship between sellers and Amazon and how sellers get shut down, how sellers and brands can use the advertising platform to grow and how future tools that Amazon is releasing and how to best use those future tools. We talked about optimizing product pages to win in Amazon, and Ian had a blast from the past talking about Black Hat SEO and how people are using that in Amazon. And finally, we talked about future competitors for Amazon, how Amazon is really making their own brands and how that's affecting brands selling in their ecosystem, and a little bit about the future of Amazon and e-commerce in general. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, Mike. Thank you for joining the e-commerce growth series. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you for having me here, Ron. Uh, so a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Mike Begg. I am one of the co-founders of AMZ Advisors. Uh, there are a few other side projects I do, but I am from Connecticut originally. Uh, we started this company with uh, three of my friends, and luckily we've been able to grow it. And uh, yeah, now I live in Guadalajara, Mexico and manage our office down here. Great, great. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Amazon Advisors? Sure. AMZ Advisors is a digital marketing agency, and we specifically focus on the Amazon platform. So we help brands and manufacturers grow their sales on Amazon, and not only in the US, but in uh, Australia, in Europe, Canada, Mexico, wherever they need help. And we take such an in-depth approach to actually understand their businesses that we end up helping them actually improve their business processes as well as improving their Amazon sales. And uh, I'm not going to let us skate over that. So tell me about Guadalajara. Did I say that correctly? And what <laughs> did you decide on that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you almost said it correctly. It's Guadalajara. Um, so originally when we were starting this agency, myself and my two other partners, we, you know, we were kind of on the fence. We weren't sure how successful it was going to be. So we ended up moving to Mexico, uh, living in Playa del Carmen, starting the business down there. Then as we started to grow and as things uh, changed and evolved, you know, we started traveling more, seeing other parts of the world. Uh, we actually, I actually ended up coming to Guadalajara, which is where I met my girlfriend. And then as we had a need to start hiring people in-house, we realized that we had a great opportunity to hire our content team uh, here in Mexico. And ever since then, I've kind of just been here. <laughs> Great. And, and as someone who's, you know, also co-founded business, I have a lot of respect for people that, you know, co-founded with their friends. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what has that process been like co-founding a company with, with some of your best friends? It's definitely an interesting process. I'll say that for sure. Um, no, the good thing is that because we've known each other for so long. Uh, so with one of my partners, I've known him since I was in kindergarten. The other one I've known since high school. Uh, you know, we're brutally honest with each other. When we have things that aren't working, we can be, uh, 
you know, as honest or as mean or as brutal as we need to be with each other. And at the end of the day, it's just the goal is not to take it personally. It's to improve on something we're doing wrong. So it actually helps us a lot, I think, in our business. I'm glad you all are able to do it. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, there's always a lot of challenges with that. And you guys have really built a really great agency. So that's exciting here. Um, so, you know, obviously there's a lot of things going on with Amazon, um, especially COVID. Can you just give us like a general update of, you know, what's new in kind of the Amazon landscape? Sure. So I think, uh, when we talk about Amazon, at least since March, things have been changing rapidly. So if you look at search terms, uh, searches for PPE, PPE products like masks, uh, antibacterial gels, all disinfectants, things like that, they have, they've completely taken over as some of the top search terms of the platform. One of the other things that we saw was that a lot of brands that were concerned about COVID and recession and a lot of other economic issues scaled back on their advertising. So between those two things, there's been a lot of opportunities for brands that were either in uh, like the PPE categories, which didn't have as much search terms before, which have completely taken off, or brands that weren't able to compete because they couldn't spend the advertising dollars to keep up with the bigger brands. And now they've been able to take some of the most expensive keywords for, I don't know, maybe 50% cheaper uh, in some cases. So it's been a lot of opportunity for brands to come in and start growing their sales on the Amazon platform. And for those who out there who may not know, can you explain a little bit more about what PPE is? Sure. So uh, PPE is... Uh, essential products that were needed during the COVID outbreak. So we're talking about face masks, uh, face shields, the, the plastic face shields, maybe you've seen people walking around with hospital gowns, um, those types of products that are essentially for protecting healthcare workers and individuals from spreading the virus more. So, you know, what I've seen, what you've seen is that previously some of the number one search terms on Amazon were, let's say cheap uh, electronics or, uh, phone cases, iPhone cases is always a high search term. And now those aren't even in the top 10 anymore. And the top 10 products are all Lysol, antibacterial gel, face masks, uh, things like that, that you typically, I, I mean, no one's ever searched for this this much on, on the internet or on a Amazon in general. It's just because of the demand right now. Do you feel that a lot of companies are trying to shift their kind of product offerings and focus to kind of PPE products in your experience? I think there are some companies out there that are trying to take advantage of the trend. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I don't really know that that's going to work out for them. I, I remember reading some story about a guy, I think he was in Tennessee, who ended up buying, he went to like all the local Walmarts and Targets, ended up spending like $17,000 on an antibacterial gel, and then tried to sell it online. Um, but Amazon kicked him off because he was price gouging. So... If you're in it for the wrong reasons, if you don't have a company and a brand that's already established in that uh, kind of area or that sector, then I don't think it really makes sense for a business. And I haven't seen many businesses that are outside of that area try to get into it as you know a quick way to make money or something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. And with that, you know, Amazon kind of kicking players out. What's kind of that relationship between? Amazon and sellers is Amazon almost kind of like the police now where they're just policing or are they kind of helpful in helping, you know, sellers understand what kind of verticals to target? So Amazon does provide a lot of data into what the search terms are, particularly if you are brand registered. So you have the, the ability to see what people are searching for, what products they're, in, they're actually buying, what they're clicking on. So you can see a lot of different things that way. 
But at the same time, Amazon is also using its own data to build their own brands. So it's not that they are so much trying to help sellers to find the best opportunities. It's that more that they're presenting this data so they can make their own decisions and see what works for them. I think the relationship between sellers and Amazon in general is always a little bit tenuous. Um, if anyone has been selling on the Amazon platform before, you can get extremely frustrated with how quickly Amazon can shut you down for something that you didn't even do. Like the price gouging, I've seen a lot of companies get shut down for their prices going up, not even that much, maybe 30 cents. And is that really price gouging? I don't know, maybe that's dealing with the higher cost of shipping to make their margin back. It's not, it doesn't seem like price gouging. I mean, it's not two times or three times the price and trying to get the most out of it. But at the same time, Amazon doesn't care. They have systems that are automated. And if you go outside of those systems or outside of those rules, they're going to take action against you and against your listings. Yeah, it's almost like they kind of have triggers in their system that alert them and they shut it down automatically. And that's crazy to think about because if you're a business on products online, your livelihood depends on you shipping these products and Autogram shuts you down. That has to be really frustrating. What's kind of like the process to get that rectified and fixed? There is an appeal process that you can go through and it's not exactly clear. You have to, it's like a black box. Like you have to reach out to an email and then maybe you hear back from them. Maybe you don't hear back from them. Maybe they ask for more information. Maybe they don't. Honestly, dealing with that aspect of Amazon is really a pain. So playing by the rules as much as possible is the best way to kind of go forward. Uh, getting suspended or unsuspended uh, is, is, it can literally be uh, a death knell for some businesses. I mean, we've had businesses that were, uh, we've had clients, excuse me, that were doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on Amazon and sales. Then all of a sudden they did something sketchy or illegal or against Amazon's rules. And all of a sudden their sales are gone. Their account's done. They can't get back on Amazon. And literally there's a million dollars in sales or more a year gone for them. It's crazy to think about. And I've heard similar stories such as that. Yeah, it's... It's ugly. It's better. It's always better to play by Amazon's rules, in our opinion. Uh, anytime you start getting into gray areas or kind of uh, playing fast and loose is when you can really get into trouble with Amazon. And you know that's when it can come back to bite you. Yeah. It, what would you say are the main things people get shut down in the first place? Some of the things that you can get shut down for are, I mean, there's a variety of them. And they keep, they keep changing and Amazon keeps expanding them. For instance, uh, one of the newer ones is that if you're mentioning competitor brands in your keywords, they can shut down your listing. It, uh, other ones if, are if you're using other brands' uh, content, they could shut you down. Uh, if, you're, you know, uh, if you're selling knockoffs, if you're selling uh, forgeries, if you're using other companies' intellectual property, all of those types of things can get you shut down pretty easily on Amazon. And then apart from that, trying to manipulate the Amazon search ranking algorithm. So for a while, a lot of companies were focused on using these product launch services where they were giving away a bunch of inventory at a low price to get reviews and to get the sales and all that stuff. And Amazon caught on after a while and they said, hey, if you're, you're doing too much of this, you know, we're going to take away your ability to do promotions or we're just going to completely shut you down because you're trying to manipulate our, our algorithm and doing something illegal. So, well illegal in their rules. But yeah, I mean, those are just some of the examples, but really there's a lot of different things you can do to get shut down on the Amazon platform.
Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Black Hat SEO is officially back <laughs> on the Amazon platform. Oh yeah, and it's going strong on Amazon. So <laughs> yeah, I always wondered about that. You know, it's funny because Amazon is so much like Google back in the day, where they have a very unsophisticated advertising system. They have a very unsophisticated search engine. And it feels like they're going down the same kind of rabbit hole that Google's gone through throughout the years to you know improve their search engine to improve their advertising platform and make it more sophisticated. And it's funny seeing all the things that happened in the early 2000s with Google kind of happening out with Amazon. Yeah, I mean, you definitely know the, the search engine side better than I do. But when it comes to advertising on Amazon, there's constantly been improvements over. I mean, we've been doing this for six years now. So in the past six years, you can see how far the types of ads you have, your targeting abilities are. Uh, and you can also just measure how much competition is increasing within the advertising space on Amazon because you can see the, the cost going up over time. So, yeah, I mean, I think things I think Amazon is always going to struggle to deal with a lot of the, the black hat, gray hat stuff. Uh, but at the same time, brands that are playing by the right rules are going to you know, end up winning in the long term. Yeah, it's interesting. That's one thing I really want to talk to you about is advertising. I feel like that's becoming much more sophisticated now they're doing display advertising more. Um, what would you say is the biggest growth opportunity you see? Is it really the sellers or do you see kind of brands using Amazon to grow? For me, the biggest opportunity there is for brands. And what's happening is that Amazon's rolling out all these new different ad types, like you mentioned, uh, to help them manage their entire uh, advertising and sales funnel online. So if we think of a typical advertising funnel, you know, you have your brand awareness, your consideration, your purchase, and then your post-purchase. And Amazon has ads for all of that. So on the brand awareness, they have their on-platform uh, sponsored brand ads to help your product show up more in search terms. They have off-platform uh, sponsored display ads to help you with uh, retargeting, remarketing. They have uh, programmatic advertising with the DSP platform. So there's a lot of different ways that you can get your product in front of people. And it, it, they pretty much can help you build your entire, entire advertising funnel within their platform or within their different advertising platforms because there's really two different platforms. Is really optimizing product pages, is that kind of a thing of the past or are people still spending so much time optimizing their product pages? The two things go hand in hand for sure. Um, you know, your ads aren't going to perform if you have crappy looking, uh, product pages. That that's what it comes down to. The SEO aspect of it is still important on Amazon. If you don't have the search terms or the, you know, the SEO content in your listing, there's no way that Amazon's going to start indexing you and ranking you for specific search terms. But at the same time, if you don't have that content and you don't have good sales copy within your product listing page, the customers that end up coming to your product page through an ad or you know, even finding you organically, they're not going to end up purchasing your product. So from my from our perspective, both of these, those are the, like the two pillars of Amazon. It's whether, number one, do you have the SEO content and the sales copy to get customers to convert, to, find, to get them to find your page and to convert? And then do you have the advertising piece to actually drive new brand awareness, drive more conversions, uh, and help your brand grow over time? Because without advertising on Amazon, your brand's not going to grow. And that's just what it comes down to. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And with that, do you feel brands are becoming almost maybe too reliant on advertising? And do you think brands might get turned off having to know that they have to advertise still in the game of Amazon, basically? <laughs> 
I don't, you know, I don't think that's the case. It, it really depends on the company, I guess. Uh, you know, larger companies that have the advertising budgets and maybe we're using traditional media such as print or even TV are starting to realize that digital is more important now. So a lot of those budgets have been shifted to platforms like Amazon and particularly the, the larger companies are using the DSP platform because DSP allows them to target specific customer interests from what their purchase history on Amazon and then place the ads on third-party networks or you know on Amazon-owned pages or even on Amazon, so wherever they want. Um, and, and it gets... It gets to the point where they're they're doing a pretty significant amount of ad spend on these types of ads. I mean, I believe during Q4, and, and I'm kind of blanking on the numbers, the minimum uh, ad commitment, I think, was a million dollars per campaign. Um, so there's some significant money being invested there. And I don't think in the long term, other brands are going to be turned off from that. I mean, more and more people are going to continue to shop online it makes sense to be on the Amazon platform, no matter what you're selling. Like if you're not there, how is anyone going to find you? And at the same time, if you're not advertising, how is anyone going to find you? There's millions of products. So how do you stand out from other people? So yeah, maybe they'll be discouraged that they have to, you know, spend a little money on advertising. But at the same time, if you're trying to grow a real brand and make something that's going to last, you need to be doing marketing no matter what. So it's just your choice of whether you're going to use Amazon for advertising, you know, Google, social media, influencer marketing, whatever, whatever type of platform uh, it is, you still need to be doing marketing. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's that big of an issue for brands to do it. Yeah, it's interesting. And getting back to kind of the relationship between you know Amazon sellers, obviously they provide a lot of data around search volume um, to help you kind of merchandise correctly and you know, try to SEO your products. <laughs> um, are they adopting and releasing any new tools out there for sellers and brands outside of the advertising? Yeah, I mean, advertising is definitely where we're seeing the biggest uh, tools and you know, product development. However, there are certain other aspects of marketing within Amazon. So one tool that they've rolled out is the Amazon Posts recently, which is essentially like little little social media posts within your product page listing. Um, you know, that's, it's still pretty new. We're still kind of testing it to try to get the best results out of it, but we've actually seen that it can drive some, uh, some pretty free traffic, uh, to your listing through just creating some social media posts, essentially. Um, other things that they've rolled out is it's not so much that they've rolled out. It's just that they've started to, uh, consolidate the reporting capabilities across the seller central and vendor central platform. So the brand analytics piece that you now have access to in Seller Central is very similar to what the uh, Vendor Central side has for analytics now, where in the past it was completely different. Vendor Central had way more data on uh, customer purchasing, behavior, demographics, things like that. And they still do have a little bit more, but there's a lot more consolidation when it comes to the advertising side. So before where we had two different, two completely different advertising uh, platforms on Seller Central and Vendor Central, those are similar. So it seems like Amazon's kind of, uh, I guess, building a lot of systems that that you know any seller can use, whether they're familiar with Vendor Central or Seller Central, to make it easier for everybody. And with that, they'll continue to find new opportunities to create new tools and you know help them manage their Amazon sales and their Amazon account better. 
Yeah, it'll be really interesting if they ever, uh, you know, like tie in their social media to like Instagram or TikTok or those other channels and they allow you to advertise social media posts too. I mean, one really creative solution that a lot of brands are using is like using video testimonials from their customers in LinkedIn ad, and sorry, in Instagram ads. Uh, so it'll be interesting yeah. if you can you could advertise basically testimonial videos um, on Amazon. Yeah, they've actually uh, started rolling out something called uh, sponsored brands plus video. So it's somewhat new ad type. Uh, but if you're familiar with shopping on Amazon, you, you know, you search a product, you search a search term, there's usually a banner at the top. That's what's known as a sponsored brand. So now they're allowing you to put uh, video into those. So if you have that type of video asset where it's either a client testimonial or, uh, you know, just a, a lifestyle, a lifestyle video, some, some type of video content that you can use, can actually start testing these ads and see how they perform for your specific account and for your products. That's incredible. Yeah, I think that's going to be very, very successful, um, especially when people are searching for products that they don't really know what they're looking for yet. Like you're not looking for toothpaste or something yeah. along those lines. I think that'd be wildly successful. Um, with all the advertising, though, do you feel Amazon is helping merchants out with analytics and more about measuring their advertising campaigns than they have been before? So I think the reporting data that Amazon gives you uh, is pretty general and then you need to really figure out what is important within it. And to each company and each brand, they may be looking for different metrics. I mean, impressions might be important to companies that are trying to build brand awareness or product consideration, whereas conversions and uh, ROAS or ACoS, average cost of sale on Amazon might be more important to other brands. It really depends on what your goals and what your plans are. And there are a lot of third-party software out there that can help you analyze the advertising data and make better decisions uh, based on what you're seeing in the data. And I think that's where you can really get more value from uh, learning from your advertising data than actually using Amazon's tools. It, it's just, it's not that the data is not bad, but if you're not processing it yourself, either in Excel or you know some other, some other uh, spreadsheet or database or something, it's difficult for you to really see what's happening there. So with that, I kind of want to just transition. Obviously, there's a lot of high-level things going on Amazon. and want to get your kind of thoughts on it. First of all, I have to get your thoughts. What do you think about the thoughts about breaking up Amazon? Well, that is, it's kind of a popular topic going on right now. I mean, a lot of, a lot of politicians are talking about this. Uh, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to, I think, what the benefit is to the end consumer and not just on the retail side, but also on the business side. A lot of businesses are literally built on AWS. So all of the data that they're taking from Amazon, all of that's being processed in AWS. So the two systems really inter interrelate and it really helps brands to scale on the Amazon platform. Whether it comes to should they actually be broken apart or, you know, should the, the businesses be separated? I don't, I think there are some things that are probably anti-competitive about Amazon having access to all that data and the way that they use it. However, at the end of the day, the end consumer is really going to be the one that makes noise about it. You know, politicians can say what they want, but if the end consumer doesn't really see it as a threat, I think they'll just be willing to keep accepting it. So that's why I don't think there's going to be much of a change when it comes to, you know, Amazon breaking it up or really any of the antitrust stuff that we're hearing about um, now and, you know, during election season. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's really a threat that Amazon's going to be 
broken up by anyone. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've always had conversations about this with these big brands. Um, and, and I do feel like Amazon is going to start getting some competition. I just read today that Walmart's integrating with uh, Shopify now. So Shopify has a plugin that integrates mm -hmm. with Walmart and Target's been uh, crushing their uh, revenue goals from e-commerce standpoint. So do you see maybe some of these other marketplaces coming in maybe trying to compete with Amazon? <sighs> I think so, but I think they still have a long ways to go. So we, we do some advertising on the Walmart side and just as a comparison between the two platforms, you know, Walmart's advertising is still years, if not decades behind Amazon's. They have a long way to go. Uh, the self-service the self side, they rolled out earlier this year. And honestly, it's incredibly frustrating. The ads are, the ad placements aren't that great. And the actual rules to even get your ad to get impressions that you have to follow is kind of a pain. So there are a lot of opportunities. And I, I think that integration between uh, Shopify and Amazon and uh, Walmart, excuse me, will allow more sellers to get onto the Walmart marketplace. But at the same time, part of the reason that Walmart hasn't dealt with as many of the black hat issues that Amazon has is because they've been more selective with the companies that they've let onto the platform. So I think that's helped from the standpoint of protecting intellectual property and controlling uh, third-party sellers that are on the platform. So I, I think that's helped them. One of the interesting uh, things I've read and I, I've thought about more recently is whether larger brands can actually get together to create their own type of platform. Uh, so you know, if you had your Coca-Cola's partnering with Nest, uh, Nest T or what's it called, Nestle. Um, you know, all those types of companies getting together to form like a food platform where it's not really owned by any one company, but it's kind of like a partnership. That's another interesting idea because um, it allows a lot of these companies that have traditional, uh, particularly in the grocery space, traditional models of selling to a grocery store and then having the end consumer go there and purchase it, going direct to customer and cutting out the middleman. So we're increasing their margins. They're selling at retail now instead of selling at wholesale. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for uh, bigger brands to kind of move in that direction. It's, it's just going to require a lot of partnerships and a lot of work. But uh, when it comes to other platforms like Walmart and Target, they're still pretty far behind. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think Amazon does just have such a huge advantage. They're just so big now. They can ship products so quickly. I mean, same day delivery. It's just it, really impressive how how they've done it. You know, and it'll be interesting seeing target a Walmart, maybe try to come and compete on like service level and those various things to compete against Amazon. Um, and one thing I want to touch base on that we talked a lot about earlier is Amazon creating their own brands, because I feel like this is like a very hot topic, right? Especially with the Allbird um, debacle. And for those who don't know, Allbird sells a wooden, uh, I'm sorry, not a wooden, a wool sneaker, <laughs> uh, which I love. I have a pair of Allbirds. I love them. Um, but Amazon also has a brand and there's a huge debate where Amazon was advertising in Google for the keyword phrase all birds on their branded search and cannibalizing that traffic to their knockoff brand on Amazon. Um, so what's your kind of thoughts on this of Amazon creating their own brands and, and how are brands dealing with this and just adapting to it? Yeah. So a lot of brands are concerned about Amazon using their sales data to kind of get into the market space and for good reason. Amazon has over a hundred different private label brands now, and they also have the manufacturing capabilities to pretty much roll out any product at any time. One of the problems with Amazon is that you need to give them a lot of access to 
not only your sales data, but sometimes to get approvals, you need to submit invoices, you need to submit other materials. So a lot of times they can figure out who your manufacturers are, where you're getting your product from, and then they can reverse engineer the entire process to make, to see whether it'll actually make money for them. So there, the Allbirds is a good example, but it's not the first time that Amazon's come in and just pretty much created a complete knockoff and started selling it and, and it's completely destroyed market share. They, the difference between the two, and particularly I think Allbirds is a really good example, is that the, uh, the environmental friendly practices that Allbirds has is something that Amazon won't adhere to. And they just don't. And that was one of the things that uh, the Allbirds CEO particularly called them out on is like, hey, if you're going to do this, at least do it the right way and you know, do it in, in, in an environmentally sustainable way. And Amazon has no concerns about that. There's been issues uh, lately with the COVID. We've heard about issues at their warehouses and how they treat their labor forces. There's also concerns about uh, the environmental impact that Amazon's one-day shipping is having. And there's also concerns about Amazon's manufacturing uh, manufacturing impact or manufacturing uh, regulations or that they're following or not following and where they're manufacturing, whether they're using cheaper labor to get products done. I mean, at the end of the day, they can pretty much undercut every product on the platform just from the volume that they're ordering. So it's it's definitely concerning as a brand. And that is probably the area where I would see the antitrust side coming in uh, or like a government intervention coming in more than anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is it's just part of the game selling on Amazon. Yeah, it's just one of those kind of fearful things. And a lot of technology businesses in e-commerce have the same fear of the platforms, you know, like Shopify or Big Commerce, just trying to create their own technology, right? Uh, especially like MailChimp, you know, they were a longtime partner of Shopify, and then Shopify decided just to create their own email marketing. <laughs> so yeah. I see kind of the similar things here now with Amazon, they're getting so big. And if you're brands, it's like you have emerging, um, you know, Walmart, Target, do you start looking at these different uh, marketplaces to sell um, or do you continue selling on Amazon? It's going to be funny and you know interesting to see how this all plays out over the years. Yeah, exactly. And it's not to say that the other platforms might not do the same thing as Amazon at some point. I mean, they they just have different business models right now, so they have different overhead. Correct, but, yeah. You know, if, they're, if they're going away from having retail physical locations, maybe they have more capital to invest in doing a similar type of, 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 uh, of manufacturing. I mean, Amazon also has specific programs. Uh, I think one was called AMP, where you would essentially partner with Amazon. You would help them manufacture the product, and then Amazon would have the ability to purchase your company down the road. So this was another way for Amazon to get more products into the category and it at least provides some upside to the manufacturer or the vendor. But at the end of the day, you know, you're kind of just, you're, you're pretty much selling yourself out in the long term just to make some money in the short term with Amazon. Yeah, makes sense. And besides getting ripped off <laughs> from Amazon, what are some <laughs> other challenges you see for sellers now in navigating even the relationship with Amazon? So I think the two biggest issues are, number one, the advertising side, number two, the intellectual property side. Now, when it comes to the advertising side, like I said before, if you're not advertising on Amazon, you're not going to be found. At the same time, it seems to be that if you're not using a lot of Amazon's other services, like their FBA service, your visibility on the platform seems to be uh, suppressed. <laughs> so your product is harder to find if you're not using Amazon FBA. That's just what we've seen from experience. So if you're going to sell on Amazon, you need to use Amazon services. You need to be advertising. You need to be spending money 
or your product's just never going to really grow. The other really big concern for Amazon and for Amazon sellers is intellectual property uh, concerns where a lot of these brands that, you know, their mom and pop shops or their, you know, one person operations, a lot of them are disruptive brands that people just decided to start based on the Amazon platform. And they're not really taking the necessary steps when it comes to intellectual property. So I've heard of cases where they did not have their trademark in China, for example. They had their trademark in the US. And because they don't have their trademark in China, the manufacturer pretty much hijacked their brand and cut them off and started and selling the product for themselves in the US. Or they held them at ransom and then required them to buy it back. One of the things that Amazon has been very loose with, or it was in the past at least, was who they let onto the platform. And they were just trying to get as many sellers as possible because more sellers means more products, means more customers coming. It was just a big uh, flywheel and, the, and it was seeing a lot of network effects to actually grow their business. But now that's coming to kind of bite them in the rear end because they've got all these sellers. Some of them are you know, Chinese manufacturers that are not following, that are, you know, they're knocking off uh, brand name products. They're doing illegal things on the platform. They're moving so quick that they can get shut down, open up a new uh open up a new seller account like it's nothing and start selling products again. And Amazon is really struggling to get that under control. They've rolled out a lot of programs such as transparency, uh, which is uh, you actually get like a QR code on your product that you can scan and see you know, where it came from. Uh, other ones are product serialization. They've improved brand registry and given you more power to report people that are doing stuff illegally. But we still see examples of brands having issues with uh, IP or having issues with sellers that are you that are knocking off their products. Like Nike was another one. Um, uh, God, what's that sandal company that left the platform? Uh, Birkenstock. <laughs> Blanking on their name. I haven't heard that name in a long time. But yeah, a lot of these companies have intellectual property concerns with the way that Amazon handles things, and you know that's that is probably one of the larger largest areas that sellers need to get comfortable with dealing with Amazon. Yeah. I've never heard of them. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I see a lot of uh, sandal brands also selling on Amazon more probably than ever before, you know, but it, it's interesting for them to compete in these highly sought after spaces. You know, you're trying to compete for the keyword phrase women's sandals or men's sandals, men's beach sandals. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty difficult to be, to uh, get in that space. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's where you see the high advertising costs, or I mean, any product really, you see high advertising costs if you're trying to get in for the first time. The the sellers that can actually really get in there are either the one that can really get into Amazon, start stealing, uh, stealing market share from other sellers are the ones that either have good advertising, uh, have a good budget to spend, they know what they're doing, or they are just very nimble and they're able to find categories that aren't competitive uh, get their products manufactured quickly and then get on the platform. So if you're a traditional company, there's still a lot of opportunity, but the the growth is is going to be slower if you really don't know what you're doing on the advertising side. Otherwise, you're just going to be wasting money. You're not going to be growing your market share and your share of voice on Amazon. So it really comes down to having an intimate knowledge of what's going on in the platform and how to maximize your results from the advertising to really be able to take market share from the existing brands. Love it. Love it. All right, I ask everyone this, and we'll ask you, what do you see as the future of e-commerce? It's already here, and we're already seeing it. And COVID was really where we saw the acceleration of it a lot, is 
grocery shopping on e-commerce and how that's going to evolve. It was expected to grow, I think, from, I forgot how, I think it was like 20, million, 20 billion a year to like 100 billion by 2022. I think those were the numbers, something like that. And because of COVID, that timeline's probably been brought up a lot. And I think more and more people are going to be switching over to shopping online for their groceries. There are a ton of different options out there for how you can get your groceries. And Amazon itself has two different programs for, for grocery products. One is Amazon Fresh, the other being Amazon Prime, Prime Pantry. I think they just call it Pantry now. But the point is that a lot of brands are moving into that space and a lot of platforms are moving in there to try to capture more of that market share. And you know, if people continue to work remotely, they continue to work from home, Like, what's the point of them leaving and going to the store to go grocery shopping when they can just have everything delivered to them, brought home, and you know, they can just sit there at the computer and never leave? So at the end of the day, you know, when we think of those areas that are convenience pain points or what save people the most amount of time, you know, grocery shopping can take an hour. <laughs> if you go more than once a week, you're losing a couple hours a week. So the point is, like, when we think of the future of e-commerce, it's like, what are the most inconvenient things that people are doing right now? And then how can that be transferred or fixed through an online platform? And I think... Grocery is a great example of that. Apparel, clothing shopping is getting more popular. Um, again, it still has some challenges as well, mainly with people with different sizes and things like that. It'll be really interesting if someone can figure out a way to, to kind of standardize that because I think that's probably the biggest concern among shoppers is like things not fitting when they're buying apparel. But the people that solve those problems are going to be the ones that are getting the most success in the future of e-commerce. And those are going to be the categories that are growing the most and the fastest in the future as well. Well said. Well said. I love it. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Mike. Thank you for having me, Ron. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking with you. You know, I love sharing my experience and knowledge of Amazon. And it's always uh, interesting to see what other people are wondering. Thank you for joining the e-commerce growth series. And a big thank you to Mike Begg at AMZ Advisors. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at ron at visitor.com or mike at mike at amzadvisors.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>